Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, Paul speaking to them, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, notice, to stand against the wiles of the devil. His methods are varied and they're very intelligent. If you think that the devil is not an intelligent being, you are vastly wrong. Without Christ, there is no hope for you. But in Christ... Because he is victorious, you are victorious over him as well. Amen? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, as Pastor Rob continues discussing the battle of the flesh, we learn that we can only abstain from fleshly lusts as we live as those who recognize that this world is not our home and that we have a home and a citizenship in heaven. So how do we protect ourselves? Paul reminds us that we must take on the whole armor of God, which consists of righteousness, peace of the gospel, faith, salvation, and the word of God. When you decide to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and repent from your sins, he will supply all these things to you for truth and protection. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and let's follow along with Pastor Rob. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean as a, as a believer you're not going to stumble into the, a few of these things at times? You may, but your soul is taken care of, right? What do we do as Christians when you fall into these things? You confess them. You repent of them. You turn from them. You say, God, give me the strength to resist, right? And he's there to help you. He's there to help you. But turn away from these things. Turn away. But those who practice these things, they continue doing them. There's no repentance. They just keep doing them, keep doing them. I'm better than the other person, so God has to accept me, right? That's the the thinking. God doesn't have to accept you. Apart from Christ, you are not one of his. So if you are in Christ, you are forgiven. You can be forgiven. And you continually confess and you turn from those things. And, but if you don't know Jesus tonight, today, you must receive him because he loves you. He loves you so much. Don't leave this place without praying with somebody. Because your fate is important. Because there's only two places that we are going to go. We are either going to be in heaven with him or we are going to be separated in hell forever. Forever. Okay? But God loves you. 
That's why he sent Christ to die in your place. I love what D.L. Moody said. He says, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any man I know. <laughs> I like that because it, it puts the impetus back on me then, right? It's like I, I need to look at myself. See, oftentimes in Christian circles today, we tend to look at everybody else. But God's encouraging you to look at you in the mirror. I looked in the mirror today and I got a haircut and I thought, wow, you look like Beaker from The Muppet Show. You look like a Q-tip. Right, Tom? Do I look like a Q-tip? No? His wife? But, you know, you look in the mirror, and you have to deal with that person in the mirror. Deal with that person. Forget about dealing with everybody else. You've got enough on your plate. Deal with that person that you're looking at. Say, you are condemned (laughs) to the cross, but you are beloved by your Savior. All right? Take a hard stance on your own sin and be gracious toward others. And that is what wins people's hearts when they see the change in your life. Because if you really believe it, you're going to allow the Lord to change you. You must be changed. You must be changed. It's a, it's a process, consecration, uh, this sanctification. It's, it's him setting you apart from all this junk. And that is a process once you're a child of God. Let him do it. And when people see it, and they see that you're hard on yourself, but you're loving and gracious toward them, I tell you what, that is the biggest magnet. Because they're like, you know what? I don't know what this is that you got, but I want it. Because there's such a joy and a, such a peace about you. I don't have that because I'm still in my sin. I'm still reveling in my mess. God wants to take you from the mess. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. There is our warfare. This word actually means, in the Greek, it's strategemei. I'm probably butchering that word, but that's okay. I'm not a Greek scholar. But the idea is a strategy. When a, when a, when a king goes to battle, when a military general goes into battle, there is a strategy. There is a, a unique strategy. And have we forgotten that we are in a war? We look around, and things may be relatively peaceful. You don't have uh, military you know, tanks rolling through your town, right? We, we live in relative peace. But there is a war that's going on that we can't see, and therefore it is more elusive. It's more elusive. James chapter 4 says, where, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war? That word war is the same word that we have here in First Peter, that war against the soul, that war against your members. You know, there is a war for the souls of men and women. There is and there always has been this war for your soul, for your affection, for your worship. You know, for those who, who do know Jesus, the devil can't take away your salvation. There is a warfare for the child of God, and even for those who don't know him. But if you do know him, the devil can't take away your salvation, but he can mess with your head, and he can tarnish your witness. He can make your Christian life a mess and unfruitful, and you can let him. You see, God has a better plan. He's got a much better plan. It's a fight. It's a battle, and it's not a political battle. We look around today, and there's politics and battles, right? (laughs) But remember that Jesus Christ has won the battle. Read the end of the book. Know that he is the victor. He is the victor. He is going to rule and reign for a thousand years on this planet. 
and then this one will be dissolved, and he'll create a new heavens and a new earth. But in that thousand-year reign, guess what? There's not going to be any Republicans. There's not going to be any Democrats. There's not going to be independents. There's not going to be conservatives. Only Jesus is going to be there. Only one name on the ballot. Won't that be great? <laughs> one name on the ballot. <laughs> So we don't wrestle with, against flesh and blood. We have to remember that, folks. And see, that what ma- that's what makes us so different from any other world religion. Every other world religion, Islam is a good example. Their hope is for this earth, conquering this earth. And in order to do that, you've got to fight. You've got to strap C4 to your body and blow up people to get your battle done. Jesus said, I've already won the victory. You don't need to be strapping yourself with C4. You don't need to be going out with guns and rifles. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. He wants to save you. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He loves people. You're his poema. You're his precious jewel. You're his precious workmanship. That's what the Bible says. But there is a war nonetheless. And how are you going to wage that war? Again, You know, the government doesn't have to worry about us. I mean, think about it. We are the most docile group, or we should be. Have you ever seen a sheep? When they have you ever seen a sheep smile? They got these funny looking teeth, they're all milky white, and there's nothing sharp about them. I mean, they're they're completely defenseless. You could you could go up and and hit a sheep, and he'd be like, "Don't do that." You know, and if you get him really mad, he's not going to bite you. And even if he does, is he going to gum you to death? I mean, this animal is completely the most, the cutest thing in the world and defenseless, harmless. And see, the church is like that. We're not going against the government. Anybody who's stockpiling arms and going to overthrow the government, what's with your head? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In John chapter 18, verse 36, because if we were fighting for this earth, it would have already been done by now. Because Jesus is able to do that. But notice what he said in John chapter 18. Jesus, speaking to Pontius Pilate, Jesus answered him and he says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. They would. So that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. From his own mouth. It's not from here. Why are we fighting a world that is ultimately going to perish? God cares about the people in the world. He cares about the people. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 52, Jesus said to Peter, he says, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Good advice. Or do you think, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? <laughs> it kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? All of a sudden, I'm not so concerned about trying to win some kind of physical battle. Our battle is spiritual. It's, it's invisible. That's why when we pray, we pull down strongholds. That's why when we pray, God does the battle for us. And it requires faith and patience on our part, right? In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, Paul speaking to them, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, notice, to stand against the wiles of the devil. His methods are varied and they're very intelligent. If you think that the devil is not an intelligent being, you are vastly wrong. Without Christ, there is no hope for you. But in Christ... 
because he is victorious, you are victorious over him as well. Amen? But understand that left to your own devices, you are no match for Satan. He's a powerful being. We don't give him more credit than, what, than, than is due, but he is a formidable foe outside of Christ. And even in Christ, we have to recognize who he is. Not dwell on him, but dwell on the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Dwell on Christ, who is the victor. So he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. The darkness of this age. The rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, sometimes I wish that it was a physical battle. Because then we could see our enemy, and we would know what he's doing, and we could engage him. But we have an adversary that's invisible. He's invisible to us, and he's stronger than we are apart from Christ. And he's very intelligent. Don't underestimate him. But he is no match for Jesus. Jesus called the devil a murderer because that is what he is. If he could kill you, if the devil could, if he could kill you, he would. That's who he is. But in Christ, God builds a hedge around you. Do you remember the book of Job? Satan wasn't this loose cannon who could just go and inflict misery upon a soul. No, he had to go to God. He had to go to the throne room of God, Satan, and say, I want to I mess with him. And God is like, maybe. Have you, have, you, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him. Upright in every way. Sparkling. What a great trophy of my grace. Have you considered him? Yeah, I did. I did consider him. Yeah, but you know, you've got this hedge of protection around him. And God allows Job's faith to be tested. We don't like to think like that. But God knew the end. Job didn't know, but God did. Don't be discouraged when you go through difficulties because Satan is on a leash and he can only do what God allows him to do. And if you know that God loves you, he is not going to allow him to destroy you. In Ephesians 6, uh, beginning in verse 13, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. To stand. Stand, therefore, having, your, your, gir- having uh, girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod with your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. See, Peter got it confused in the garden. He pulled out his sword and Jesus says, you can put that sword away, Peter. Don't need your sword. But it's the word of God that's the sword. Isn't that what happens when Jesus comes back? The sword of his mouth will consume his enemies. When he's there at the valley of Armageddon, he comes back in his second coming to the earth. He just speaks a word, and his word is like a sword, and it decimates his enemies. We don't like to think of God like that, as a warrior. He's a meek, mild baby. He came as a meek, mild lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But when he comes back the second time, it is going to be payback time. He's going to take care of business. And do you think that he enjoys that? I don't believe he does. But love has to do that. You know, sometimes my mother, you know, she's very gentle to me. And there's sometimes where she's got to 
bring out the fireworks. <laughs> Not literally, although she does that. But uh, um, if you know my mom, I, I don't want to derail this, but my, the, the, the thing is, is that there's a time when she has to up the ante a little bit. And she has to get harder with me, tough love, because she loves me. And God is the same. But he is perfect in his execution of it. He's righteous in all that he does. He's the perfect judge. It's been said that the first casualty in any war is truth. Truth, And wherever there is a war, deception is a tool that the enemy will use in order to fool and confuse and outwit the enemy. And, I, you know, and we've said this before, and I, you know, I believe one of the greatest tools the devil is using today is music, the media, and television. Those three things coming into our houses at breakneck speed, and we're paying for it. Give me more. Give me all the channels. Consider what you're doing with what you watch, what you hear, things you see. In 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. He abides forever. So it behooves us to know the difference between truth and error. First John chapter 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children. Notice that. He's speaking to believers. You are, you are of God, and you've overcome them. Remember that. Read Revelation 19, verse 11, to the end, three times tonight before you go to bed. Right? Glass of water and that scripture. Okay? You are of, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. They are, they are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world hears them. There's a different drum beating, and, and people are listening to the devil's beating of his drum. It's like the Pied Piper. They're listening. And we were there too. We were along marching behind him as he was leading us right to the pit. And somewhere along the line, God got, us, got our attention. They are of the world. They speak of the world, and the world hears them. But we are of God, and he who knows God hears us. And he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The enemy has a strategy. That's what our word war means in this verse, in verse 11. That war against the soul. He's strategizing. And I don't want to freak you out here because I know that we're kind of leaning heavily on this. But I want to hopefully encourage you to, to understand that there is a battle. And you, you do know that there is a battle. But you have to remember this. Do you remember in the movie the... Jurassic Park, the velociraptors, if you remember, uh, were testing. They had this big fence around this compound, and the velociraptors, these little quick animals that could just 
really nasty creatures. But they were testing the fences because they were all electrified. It was all electronic and electrified. And they were testing the fences trying to find the one place where there might be an outage. And they would test a certain spot that was a little weak, and they'd keep hitting it. they keep hitting it. And that's the way the devil is. He's, strat- he's got a strategy. He's very intelligent. He knows you because he's been around for a very long time. He knows your family. He knows the propensities that you have. He knows the lust that you entertain. And he knows when to pull that switch. And God allows him sometimes to chasten you, to grow you. It's called the mystery of, 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 the mystery of iniquity. Why God allows it, I, you know, it, but he does it because of his love. And we have, to, we have training wheels. We need to be trained in this, right? And so sometimes these things happen. You know, think about David when in 1 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, David, this great king, you know, he goes out and he's supposed to be going into battle. It's the time of the year when kings would go out to battle, but instead he stays behind. And he's there and he's outside of his, on a nice night, and he's going around and he's at the top of his palace and he's looking around and he sees a house next to him and he's like, hmm. Bathsheba, that's Uriah's husband. Uriah is out in the field in the battle, engaged in the battle. And for some reason, why is she out there bathing when she knows the king is not out there? You know? <laughs> and then he sees her, and you remember what happens. They fall into uh, adultery. And then, in order to cover it up, he murders. David murders her husband. Do you think the devil hadn't set that up? Do you think that the devil for a long time was going, David? You're a warrior and you're a great musician, you know, and you've got this thing, and I know it. Nobody else can see it, but I know it because I've seen you. And the devil orchestrates things, and God says, I'll allow that to a point, to a point. And you remember what happened to David and how that just ruined his life. And yet he was restored, wasn't he? God forgave him. The sword didn't depart from his house. He lost his, his son, you know, Amnon. He lost his son, Absalom. His, one of his daughters, Tamar, was raped by one of his sons. David was never quite the same after that. But he loved God, and God forgave him. God cast that stuff behind him, but the consequences were still going forward. We have to remember that. God will forgive your sin if you mess up, but sometimes the consequences, they still, they, there's, a, there's a lifespan to those things. And they have to be meted out. But do you think the devil knew what David was up to? Perhaps the devil was whispering in his ear, you know, David, you've been through many wars and you have been uh, greatly victorious. You know, kick back. Kick back. You know, you deserve, let the young guys get at it. You deserve a break today. You deserve a break today. But a moment of pleasure cost David so much. Was it worth it? He would go back and say, you know what, if I could do it all over again, I would have never have woken up that day. I would have just stayed in bed and, you know, watched America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> right. He would have just stayed home. Because what does it say in Proverbs 4? Keep your heart with all diligence. And this is our warfare. This is our warfare. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring forth the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, 
and your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Remove it from evil. You know, it's funny. Sometimes the things that we protect the most are the things that we are the most careless about. And we already looked at Job and, uh, and how the devil was just, um, you know, had his sights out on him. But the Lord has his, or, or the devil has his sights on you too. Don't focus on him too much, but uh, uh, actually, hopefully not at all. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in First Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.